Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mastering Miles podcast powered by BioEndurance PT and Performance. Today, we are chatting with John Liddell, who is first and foremost a husband and father. He is also a physical therapist in the Milwaukee area and a marathon runner who is attempting to um, achieve an Olympic trials qualification at the California International Marathon this coming weekend on December 3rd. It was an absolute pleasure chatting with John, and we touch a decent number of subjects, especially with how he has progressed his marathon performance over the last five years to get in this position to achieve this OTQ goal. We will also chat what it was like running with elite marathoners at the Chicago Marathon and how he balances and tries to attain mastery in all the areas of his life as a husband, father, physical therapist, and a marathon runner. As always, feel free to follow and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, as well as leave us a rating as well. And without further ado, enjoy my interview with John Liddell. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Mastering Miles podcast. Um, I have with me today John Liddell, who is a local Milwaukee area runner um, who has had a really inspiring 2023 race season. So he's someone that I've been following along this year. Really inspiring story. So I'm excited to share that with everyone. So I won't take away too much of the introduction for you, John. So if you don't mind introducing yourself to everyone, that would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, first, thanks for having me on, Matt. Um, my name's John Liddell. I'm a husband and father and local runner and physical therapist in Milwaukee. So um, I'm actually surprised that you and I hadn't crossed paths professionally uh, before we started crossing paths in like the running space. So um, it's a, a small world in Milwaukee for running and for physical therapy. And I'm glad that we were able to connect. Yeah, I agree. I was also like surprised too when I kind of came across your name this past year. I was kind of like, who's this guy? And then I was like kind of looking into your running and everything like that. And I was like, I can't believe I haven't met him quite yet. So I'm glad we were able to make that connection for sure. So um, kind of getting into the your season, you've had a pretty crazy 2023 season. Um, I won't take away too much of it, but do you just kind of want to go over and just kind of share kind of what your season has been, what your races have been and kind of how everything has gone for you? Yeah. Um, so 2023 has been kind of wild. Um, it's started with the plan of run grandma's run CIM, um, and see how close I could get to uh, an OTQ time. Um, the men's standard this year is a 218. And, and that was a pretty quiet conversation between myself and my coach, Jack Hackett, um, and didn't really express that to a lot of other people right away. Um, had a conflict come up with grandma's pivot, um, signed up for the Carmel marathon. And then right before Carmel, the, the conflict with grandma's cleared up. So we used Carmel as a training run, um, and then trained for, for grandma's and, and that went, went great. Um, it, it wasn't the first time I had to pivot though. Um, so this, this started about a year ago, this like plan for one marathon actually run a different thing. Um, 
I was registered for Chicago and things around that changed in 22 and then uh, got into the field for Lakefront. Lakefront got canceled uh, famously and ended up uh, the the night after my cousin's wedding uh, going down to Chicago and, and racing there um, and somehow pulled out a, a PB in, in Chicago of 22. Uh, then everything around grandma's in 23 uh, ended up with a great race, a, a good day, um, ran smart, and uh, then had a really great build over the summer. Uh, and the morning of Minneapolis, that race got canceled. So had to had to pivot pretty hard. I was headed out the door when I, I learned that the race was canceled. So um, went through a, a very normal taper and, and carb load. And I, I don't recommend double carb loading to anybody, but um, got into Chicago the week after and um, needed to get ready for that race. So um, it's been... Uh, a long year of uh, build and race and recoup and build and race and recoup. Um, but it, it's been a, a lot of fun working with Jack and I've learned a lot about running, learned a lot about myself um, and had a good bit of success here. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And Minneapolis got canceled because of heat, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So the, anybody familiar with, um, sports medicine knows the wet bulb globe temperature and, um, uh, that equation was on just on the right side of the fence and some conditions shifted overnight. And in the morning they had to call the race off. Um, and I know lakefront was able to go off the conditions down here in Milwaukee were just slightly different and it worked out where lakefront was able to go. Uh, I know that it was, pretty rough for the participants. Um, and everyone up in Minneapolis was really disappointed about it, but, you know, I have to tip my hat to the, the race director and, uh, everyone involved that they, they made the right call for everybody's health and well-being. Yeah. 100%. You have to do what's safe and, um, you have to do what's right. And I think probably that decision was, um, very, very called for and helped to save a lot of people from illness or maybe even worse than that, even though it's absolutely sucks to have a race canceled on you the morning of after you've been building to it. Um, but yeah, overall, looking at the brighter side or the, like the grander scheme of things, definitely the important call for it for sure. So um, where did like the overall goal that you've had this year for an Olympic trials qualification or OTQ, where did that stem from? Where did that kind of come from? Yeah. Um, so the Chicago that I didn't know I was going to run, uh, in 22, I, I went under two hours and 30 minutes and wanted to find another barrier. Uh, the OTQ was always something that was kind of like, uh, you know, in the back of my head and is this possible? Um, uh, you know, of course you want to do it, but, uh, is that a realistic goal? And, uh, I think the experience of running hood to coast, um, there were that Lou Serafini was on that team, um, uh, with Tracksmith and, uh, John DeWitt, local Milwaukee guy, uh, both had been at the trials in the past. Um, Ty Dinger's on that team. He's a national caliber guy, um, 10 K five K, 
he just got third in New York last weekend um, at the road 5k champs, which is awesome to see. Um, so just like rubbing shoulders with some of these super highly accomplished people. And then, um, you know, running, being in the van with Chris Gutierrez, um, his handle is beers and miles. If anyone's familiar with the beers and miles, um, got to shout <laughs> him out. Um, he's hunting for the OTQ at CIM as well. So, um, these guys all have that, uh, you know, that, that pedigree and that, uh, that goal and. Um, a lot of the other guys on the team also very accomplished runners. Um, and you know, you just hang out with people who have, they kind of show you like, yeah, you can also do this. Um, so there was a little bit of that where it was like, um, you know, allowing myself to think of, you know, maybe I could do that. Iron sharpens iron. Yeah, totally. Um, and it's uh it's long standing been something that's like hey that would be neat and it was more of like a a daydream or a you know i i wish i could do that or something like that but yeah. um only in the last really year and a half or so was it something where it was like hey maybe i could actually do this that's awesome and california international marathon cim that is yep. december 3rd correct yep Yes, awesome. that's the last day of the qualifying window. So cool. I, I expect that there will be a lot of uh, fast men and women who are going out to a fast course to try to run a, a pretty fast time. That's awesome. And so yeah. when this episode kind of airs, it'll be the following Sunday. So this will be a good chance for listeners to like tune in and kind of see how you're doing and kind of, you know, really cheer for you to hit that goal. And speaking of that goal, what would achieving it mean to you overall? Yeah. Um, I think just like any meaningful goal, it's, uh, there's long-term commitment and pushing up against some limits, uh, and that results in growth and, you know, accomplishing something you didn't think that you could do. Uh, and that's, I think that that's true, whether it's a OTQ or a BQ and, uh, you know, finishing a first marathon, um, professionally I've worked with enough people who have had those different experiences where you can tell how meaningful that is for them and, and they're pushing their limits. I think that for me, this would feel really similar to that where it's like, yeah, you can set your mind to something and work hard for it. And over time, get closer and closer. Um, you know, hopefully a, a takeaway for my daughter is that she can set her, her mind to things and, you know, accomplish things that might've been scary or you didn't think you could do. Um, but in the process of, you know, working towards that, you realize that you were made of a little bit more and, and more capable than you thought. That's awesome. And I think all runners kind of can align with that, no matter, like you said, what goal you are looking for, it's all on a different scale. So we all run at different speeds. We all run at different paces, but we all have that big goal that's kind of out in front of us that we're trying to um, attain and work hard to do. And um, that's why I feel like a lot of times the running community is just so interconnected because we all have that similar mindset of trying to achieve that goal and to try to work as hard as you can. And in the process, kind of become a better runner, better person, better uh, professional, whatever it may be. Totally. Yeah. 
That's awesome. So um, in our email conversation, you'd kind of given me a little bit of your rundown of like your past marathon times. And yeah. I was like, I was quite thoroughly impressed. So it, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it was back in 2018, your marathon time was 244, correct? Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. Yeah. And then grandma's this year, you ran a 223.50? Yeah. That is pretty remarkable to like come down from like 244 all the way down to 223 and then trying to set the goal of the otq of 218 so like what i know that's been a lot of work over the last you know five years or so what does that process kind of look like and like what have you really tried to optimize in whether it's your training strategy nutrition anything like yeah. that like what have you really tried to optimize in that process yeah um I think the only thing that I've been able to like actually optimize is long-term consistency, um, you know, avoiding injuries and, and most weeks getting the work done. Um, over the summer we did two workouts and then a quality long run most weeks, uh, which was, it, that was a lot of work. Um, and, and, you know, credit to Jack that he was able to, program in a way where it, it pushed me without pushing me over the edge. Uh, and I think that he would agree with me that it was very collaborative. Um, a lot of feedback from me, uh, a lot of instruction from him. Um, so just putting in consistent work, never, never trying for a grand slam workout, but always hitting doubles, um, I think is, is a good way um, to describe that that type of intensity and type of effort over time, um, and you score a lot of runs by hitting doubles. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that that was the thing that I, I was able to optimize. Um, being the father of a toddler, there's a lot of conflict with you know I want to go to the park instead of uh, dad gets to run a double. So we would compromise and. I would uh, go to the park via stroller. Um, so instead of getting, you know, a 45 minute second easy run in a day, um, I'm getting a like 15 minute there, 15 minute back separated by a half an hour of playing at the park. And um, so there, there was a lot of compromise rather than optimization in terms of like that aspect of training. Um race strategy I, I think you know that is still a work in progress um chicago this year i went out pretty hard um the the week in between minnesota and chicago i was just like worried and and nervous and and then like race morning comes and i'm amped and uh i i found myself going past molly seidel in the first like mile and instead of a you know flashing red light it was like you know i'm i'm really rolling here and it should have been <laughs> like hey you're really rolling here you need to slow down um, so race strategy is still definitely something that's a work in progress but uh i had a one second negative split at grandma's and mm -hmm. that was just about as well executed as i could have hoped to be um uh, so that's been a, a learning curve too. Um, thinking back to what I was running before it was, you know, wildly positive splits. Um, but also, you know, related to that, 
I, in a marathon, I was taking three gels mm-hmm. and running 244. So almost three hours, it's like you're taking a gel every 40 minutes or so. Yeah. So yeah. that's like in the carb basement, you know, you're yeah. like 25 grams an hour. Uh-huh. Um, and, and now I'm closer to 90. Um, mm-hmm. So, but mostly gel, um, some fluids, but mostly mm-hmm. gels. And, and that's been just tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he not feeling like garbage goes a really long way to running fast. <laughs> that's awesome. And, um, when I did my podcast with, uh, Jack, we were talking, that was a big, that was a big topic in the topic of like what limits us in a marathon and what it comes down to, especially in nutrition is carbs are king. And it's just, you know, time and time again, the research just keeps going back to, use your carbs, use your carbs, use your carbs. And it's that process of really optimizing yourself and your body to be able to take in those carbs, but also be able to utilize them. And that's a process probably, you know, that probably took you a lot of work getting from three gels in a full 26.2 to getting all the way up to close to 90 grams of carbs per hour. That that's no, that's no easy feat in itself. It was, I think going from, you know, three to four wasn't, wasn't hard that was pretty easy um going from you know five to seven was a little bit tougher um Mm -hmm. and like just mentally kind of not ready for it um you're you're not like wanting it yet you know yeah and and i'm sure you've had the experience of like starting to feel kind of hungry and you know time to rip open the next gel or or chew or whatever you got Mm-hmm. And you're like excited about it. Um, and I found that I'm not as like excited about taking the gel or, or whatever the nutrition is, but you know, you need it. So, or know you're gonna need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's the bigger thing, uh, is getting ahead of it and staying ahead of it so that you're not getting to the point of like, I wish I had taken that. Mm-hmm. I got to go back for a second too, just because it's probably not an experience most of us will ever have in our life. But what was it like racing alongside an Olympic medalist in a race in Molly Sidell? Like, what was that like? <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't spend a whole lot of time next to Molly. I I went past her, and she was she was super smart with how she was going out, um, listening to her recap Chicago. Um, she was super poised and, and really deliberate in the way that she came back to the marathon this time. Uh, I was next to Emma Bates and Emily Sisson for a a long time and they were just so smooth. Um, and I was, I was not, (laughs) (laughs) I think I was very excited and sort of like swept up with the race and like what I realized, uh, you know, immediately I realized that I was running next to them because people are like screaming their names and just clear as day. You could hear these people on the the sides of the road in Chicago, even in a, a big crowd, just like, you know, yelling their heads off, which is also exciting and, and kind of like ramped up the, the energy there. Um, yeah, it, it was super fun. Um, un, until the wheels started to kind of wobble, and I was like, "Oh, I need to, I need to lock it up here." <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it it was very cool. Uh, 
hopefully get to have a similar experience at some point, um, perhaps with a more of a head on my shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome though. That's so cool. Yeah. Like I said, you know, not something many of us will ever experience in our lives. So it's cool to hear that perspective a little bit. Absolutely. That's something that always amazes me by the, about the pros too, just how like smooth and steady that they, that they really are. And it's just, they're at that level for a reason, obviously. And um, I mean, if, you know, if I were to run next to you yourself, John, like there would obviously be a huge difference. And I would probably say the same thing about you of how smooth and steady you are. So it's just, it's just well, interesting thanks, to kind of see that. Yeah. It's just interesting to see that difference of it and to, yeah, just kind of have that experience in and of itself. So that's cool. Totally. And I, I should also say, I, I mentioned that I, I passed Molly in the first mile and around mile 20, she went by me like I wasn't moving. So uh, <laughs> shout out to her for a well-executed race. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so in those moments, like you mentioned, like the wheels are falling off during a race and I'm sure it's happened with training with like different setbacks. I mean, Minneapolis having that huge setback. What has it been like and how have you kind of overcome those low points in training? We all have we all have that happen to us, but like what's been your strategy for overcoming those low points overall? Yeah. Um I'm sort of in the midst of uh coming out of a low spot here after Chicago actually. Um ran 224 low the hard way uh, had like a four and a half minute positive split on the race uh, just really dinged up afterwards for about a week um, my calf felt real strained it was it didn't feel awesome to try to to do anything afterwards so uh, spent about a week pretty much just laying low uh, and then got sick for a couple of weeks and I'm watching the clock kind of tick away before CIM uh, and the workouts I was able to start doing, like, weren't really going well, heart rate was super high, the paces weren't there. And like, this has been a really tricky time mentally, uh, because the, the right answer is chill, you know, back off. Um, I think there's, you know, when you're in flow, you can let it happen and things are awesome. Uh, when you're, you're kind of clutch, you're grinding it out, you're making it happen and it's happening. And then there's this like third bad one. That's like trying to force it to happen and it's not working. Um, uh, and that's no one wants to be there. So, uh, I think I'm on the other side of that. I've got a, a workout tomorrow. Um, the one I just ran on Thursday went pretty well. The one I ran last week was okay. Uh, so I think I'm coming out of that low spot. Um, and it was just like back off, talk to the coach. Um, Jack's always level-headed and has good advice about, you know, the same advice I would give to one of my patients. Um, but sometimes you need somebody else to tell you that stuff. So it's huge to work with someone who, who like understands and gets it and has competed at a high level. And, um, so that's, that's the most recent getting through it. Mm -hmm. Um, injury wise, I had a really bad bout of Achilles tendinopathy in like 2016 and couldn't run. Um, uh, I, I pushed it and pushed it and kind of ignored the pain and thought I'm going to make this happen. And, you know, it's, it, 
that's that's not good advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we've all, you know, you and I have both seen patients who have done this and you're like, all right, we're just going to shut everything down. So mm-hmm. uh, had to shut it down for a few months. And that's when I learned about the weight room and uh, started doing more of the resistance training, cross training um, and like really like learned why uh, that stuff is so important and how to really leverage cross training to make sure that it's, it's getting the adaptation, even though you're not actually out running, um, and that that's okay. Mm-hmm. And in the last, you know, month here since Chicago, I've been using some of those lessons that I learned all those years ago. And so it's, it's one of those things where you, you take a set back, you learn a lesson, you hopefully are better for it years down the line. Um, so that's been good. That's been useful. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, two really important things that you said, number one, it's hard for all of us runners to actually realize that we need to take a step back. If we do need to take a step back, there's always that part of our brain that's like, ah, I should be okay. This should be fine to kind of work through, but yeah, it's important to get that secondary perspective of like, no, I should probably shut this down. I should probably take it easy. I should probably chill out. Like you said, and Number two, it's learning all of the other things that can really help your running performance. And I think we've learned more and more um, lately of how important strength training is and how important it is to actually load those muscles, those tendons, those structures that are taking a huge beating while we are running a race Um, and, you know, increasing those adaptations as much as possible. So I think that's a really, really important lesson to learn Um, and a huge thing that I think if people just add that little bit of strength training in, it's going to make huge amounts of dividends, you know, not only pretty quickly soon afterwards, but like you said, years and years later too. Totally. Now you, you had a little bit of a setback this year, right? You had some plans for racing and it, it didn't go the way you wanted. Bingo. Yes. So I've been learning that lesson myself this year, which has not been easy. So uh, like you, I ran grandma's marathon uh, back in June and had a really, really solid day, a nice PR and a nice evenly paced race, kind of very similar to you. Um, And then after that, I took kind of like a week off or so I had plans to do an ultra triathlon at the end of July and then Ironman Wisconsin in September. And, um, so I kind of laid low for like a week afterwards and just kind of picked up more bike volume to kind of just let my running kind of heal. And I noticed when I was on the bike, um, I use power and heart rate a lot being on the bike and it's a little bit more accurate. I found on the bike than it is running. And I was like doing the same amount of power on the bike and my heart rate was like 20, 30 beats higher than what it was. And I was like, okay, something's wrong here. I'm not quite recovering from this race. And so um, after like a week of seeing no improvement in that, I ended up being like, all right, we need to cut out training. And of course, I got diagnosed with mono of all things, you know, I don't know quite... Yeah, I don't know quite how that happened. I, I uh, got mono after I turned 30 in June. I was like, shouldn't this have had happened like years back or something like that? <laughs> yeah, right. And then I had another infection, too, that was just on that. So it was like, OK, those aren't realistic goals to do the ultra. And it's not the realistic goal to do Ironman. So I pushed those to next year and was like, all right, we just need to shut shut it down, um, let the body recover. And um, yeah, so that was a tough Tough lesson to learn, but I'm better off for it for sure. And now it's like 
you learn from it and you start to build again and kind of, you know, you, you become a little bit stronger for that for sure. So yeah, it's not fun realizing that lesson though. I found. <laughs> no, no. Well, I, I'm glad you're on the other side of it and, and yeah. getting back out there. 100%. It's been good for sure. So um, talking a little bit more about like running in general in our, in our conversation before this, you said you've been running since you were about nine years old, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, shout out to the wildcats of Rockford, <laughs> Illinois. Uh, there you the go. Team. Yeah. So I got into running because, uh, the, the teachers at my grade school came up with, or, or, you know, implemented a program that someone else had come up with, but it was really genius because the kids would run laps around the school and uh, then we'd be tired in the afternoon. And <laughs> in exchange for running these laps, uh, we would get these little trinket, like foot medallion things. And it was uh, at our school, it was really cool to have these little foot medallions on your shoelaces. So the more you had, the cooler it was. And so you were, you were incentivized by your peers to run more laps. And the teachers like didn't hardly have to do it anything to like get us to go do this and at the end of the the year there was this uh you know go to the bike path along the river and uh run a i think it was a mile um you know for grade school kids that's a good distance and uh at that race the wildcats were there and they had like a you know come run with us brochure and so my mom picked one up and uh we should go check this out. And so we went out to rock cut state park and ran on dirt trails. And it's like, this is amazing. Um, running through the woods with some, some other guys that, uh, you know, peer age guys and, uh, ended up running uh, youth cross country with them. And they ended up being a lot of the same guys who, uh, were on my high school team too. So, um, yeah, I, I've been doing this for a long time. Um, uh, I dropped swimming, uh, because I was enjoying running more. Um, I haven't been in a pool very much since then. <laughs> so, uh, once in a while, uh, one of my friends tries to recruit me to triathlon and I'm, I'm not ready to go do that yet. Uh, <laughs> so no, no pool for me for a while. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just kind of like in my bones at this point, um, just kind of part of what I do. Why does it, um, appeal to you so much now? Like, why do you keep going back to it? Why do you keep doing it at such a high level as well? Like what makes running appeal to you the most? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I don't know exactly what it is about it that, um, uh, keeps me so engaged with it. Um, other than I think that, you know, there's some affinity, there's some, uh, you know, when you're, you're somewhat proficient at something, you're more likely to keep doing it. Uh, at least that was the case. Like even when I was, you know, you'd get homework and well, I, I could do physics or I could do English and you're going to pick the thing that you're, you feel a little more adept at. Um, so there's probably some of that. Um, it's the thing that's, you know, exciting to me right now is, um, feeling as, as capable as I feel, um, being able to go run, 
relatively fast and, you know, do that for a relatively long time. It's, um, there's a certain feeling of like, you know, fun that comes with that, even though it's, you know, your heart's beating pretty fast, you're breathing pretty hard. It's still like, yeah, I feel strong. Um, and, and that's sort of, a an intoxicating feeling. Um, when I was hurt, I would lift and, um, watching that number go up on my squat was fun. Um, my bench never came up real fast, but, (laughs) (laughs) uh, you know, so there's a little bit of that, like, you know, seeing your proficiency improve. Um, but yeah, just going out and being in the world when it's quiet. And like, I know that that's my time every day, um, before responsibilities of, of work and family come in, I can count on going out and, and having that sort of like quiet refuge, which is really nice. That's great. And that kind of leads me into the next topic of obviously your committed husband, father, PT, and you're running and training at a very, very high level, um, to try to accomplish this OTQ goal. Um, how do you all commit yourself to all of those areas? Um, have you used like any strategies to make sure that you can, you know, optimize yourself as both in the side of family, in the side of your profession, in the side of your training, like what's worked for you in that realm? Man, uh, yeah, I don't know if any of it's optimal, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, it's, it's a little bit of like push and pull. And, you know, when, when I've got a workout, um, I coordinate that with my partner and she takes over. And, um, part of it is that I, I go at like four 30 in the morning. So, <laughs> um, that helps to keep it from interfering with other things. Um, sure. But, yeah, when it's it's time for a workout, it's like no lock in. We're going to go go do that right now, and you know you you move things around in the day to make sure that that time is is free and and available. Um, and for for us, that's meant you know maybe the lawn doesn't get mowed um, until later this week or or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, it's been a like over the course of a, a day and over the course of a week, there's some kind of balance. You know, when it's time to work, you're, you're at work. Um, if my family needs me to be home, then, you know, obviously you move the workout. You, you don't go to the gym. You, you skip that stuff if, if something comes up. But fortunately, um, with my partner graduating uh, from her doctorate school, um, her graduate school in May, uh, there's been a lot more time and a lot more flex in our time. Um, and I've been able to hit the workouts a lot harder this summer than I was before. So that's, uh, you know, the long of the short of it is I, I have a supportive partner and, um, I make sure that I'm still present, um, you know, prioritize being a dad. Uh, and then like all of the time that's not for work or for family is pretty much for training right now. Kind of going off of that a little bit more, 
um, I realized listening back to my intro that I recorded that I made like a slight little mistake in it. And there was a point where I said, like, you know, my running goals doesn't necessarily influence family or like professional goals. And I don't know if that's 100 percent true. I find that, you know, when I accomplish something athletically, it does help me learn something personally, professionally, and they all kind of interact with each other in this, you know, huge quest for mastery. So definitely, um, how do each of those like areas impact each other? Like, do you find that your experience of running and the commitment that you've made to running helps you, you know, personally, as well as professionally overall? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, the the interest in being a better runner and and like the experience of being hurt in particular helped a ton uh for managing clients and uh you know working with other runners who are hurt because it's one thing to give the advice of hey you gotta you gotta pull back uh and the typical runner the you know the average runner is gonna say yeah no thanks uh you and I both know Chris Johnson. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I would say that he's a, a mentor, uh, and he's got a saying that runners are not re- sensible creatures. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I would count myself among that. Uh, but giving the credibility of like, here's what I'm doing now. Here's what I've, I've faced and how I managed being hurt. Um, uh, I think that that's, there's a ton of interplay there. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like being a, a better partner, a better father, uh, I think having to think through what is the day going to look like? What is the week going to look like? Um, and being pretty deliberate about time use has made me a better partner and a better dad. Uh, just needing to like, if I'm going to get in a second run in the evening, how am I going to make sure that, you know, dinner's ready and and make sure that daycare pickup happens on time and uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Or if it's, you know, if we can't do that, then, then how am I going to fit my training around the constraints of, you know, getting to swim lessons. Uh, So there's, I think being intentional is sort of the, the output of all of that. One thing that you mentioned earlier that I kind of thought was really important and really cool as well is you kind of striving for your goals sets a really great example for your daughter overall as well, because then she can kind of watch that as she grows up and just kind of realize how committed you are to your goals, whether it's professional or with running And I think that sends a very clear message um, to her as well and helps her to kind of see that it's okay to push hard and try to reach for, you know, big things and work towards all those goals. So um, I think that's a really inspiring viewpoint for it as well. Thanks, man. Yeah. um, You know, right now, she's, it doesn't mean anything to her. We're, we're at a race. We're going to watch dad run and uh, I'll get back from, it, it could be. 40 minutes, um, just going out easy. And she's like, how was your marathon? (laughs) So, uh, to her, it's all kind of the same thing. Just sometimes there's a lot of people on the sidewalk and sometimes she gets to watch and, um, but you know, someday 
looking back, hopefully it's, it's at least, you know, interesting to her. Uh, yeah. And, and hopefully, uh, more importantly, something of a, a lesson about, you know, this is possible. Um, and, and if not, then, you know, that's all right. Uh huh. I think it's still 100% sets that really clear example. And one thing I'm really looking forward to is I have three nieces and next year with running the Ironman, it'll be the first like big race that my oldest niece has probably been able to like realize and whatnot. So I'm kind of excited for her to experience that a little bit and to kind of um, see me kind of go after that goal a little bit. So I'm kind of looking forward to that next year and just kind of seeing her. Yeah her watch that a little bit. So it'll be fun to see. Definitely. Did she get to have a glimpse into what the training's like and, you know, see you go by on the bike and stuff. Maybe we'll have to set something like that up a few times overall, but she is really into running right now. So whenever she's like outside, she just loves running down the sidewalk. And so she always references her uncle Matt in that process. So I always get videos and things like that of her running and yeah, uh, yeah, it warms the heart for sure. Absolutely. That's super cool. Yeah, it is. It is really, really cool overall. So, um, Obviously, kind of moving on to the next thing, we both have a history and of of in the PT world, in the PT profession. So we both like really understand, you know, that physical injury aspect of that. Well, how has that your, you know, we've hit a little bit on this already, but how is that knowledge of that PT mm-hmm. world, um, how the body adapts, how it reacts, injuries, how has that all affected your racing, training, all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um I'd say that the the Achilles issue that I had years ago was like that heavily influenced what I got interested in. Uh, I read a lot about how tendons work and how they heal or don't and how to like make them work better. And um, so that knowledge really like influences what I am willing to tolerate and sort of like is this safe pain is this danger pain kind of thing um so there's i think that that's the biggest influence is like where do you draw that line and um you know if you're gonna try to push the needle for a month you can sort of like yeah this is almost over i can get through this event and then be done. If you're going to push the needle for a year, you have to be a little bit more uh, like willing to deal with some of that kind of discomfort come and go, but also like you really can't let the wheels come off too much uh, because you're not going to make it through 10 weeks um, sort of hobbling along, but you could for, you know, a few days kind of like, keeping things together. So, uh, unfortunately I haven't missed too many sessions. And I think that a lot of that is taking those easy days, just really easy and making sure that I'm, I'm taking care of my body a little bit more than I did when I was, you know, 24. Um, so there's, yeah, I, I think that it's, it's not any like one specific thing, but it's sort of in the air of everything, if that mm-hmm. kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. So it's, um, 
there's an interest there. There's, there's been a lot of like reading and research and excitedly summarizing something that I read to my, my partner who doesn't care about it. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, fortunately she entertains my, my enthusiasm for tendinopathy research. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's, it's been something where the interest is sort of like, um, you know, propagates itself and you read something, you implement it. And, you know, that sort of helps the rubber meet the road when you're in the clinic mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, you translate it a lot better when you've lived it. Mm-hmm. That's why, um, I also think it's important for runners too that like, don't necessarily have that experience, you know, as PTs or whatnot, like it's so important to build up your team a little bit as well as a runner to, you know, with your coach, you know, any medical providers, a PT or something like that. That way you have those people kind of on your team essentially so that you can bounce things off of like, is this okay? Is this good pain? Is this bad pain? Like, what is this telling me? And it's so important to have that team And to not just try to, as we've talked about, you know, just keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing, but, you know, have those team members and have that expertise sometimes to tell you when it's most important to chill and when it's most important to pull back a little bit too. Absolutely. And, and the trust of, of its team to, you know, accurately report what's going on and, you know, know that they're, they're going to make a informed decision that you know, or at least give you information to make that informed decision and, you know, keep yourself healthy, keep yourself out there. Um, Mm -hmm. best thing you can do is stay training in a healthy context. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. really matter if you take a day off here or there so that you can stay healthy. So, Mm -hmm. uh, I can, I, I do most of, of that dialoguing with myself. Um, but then like we mentioned before, like bringing Jack in when, when it's hard to kind of like get clarity. And I think that's a very humbling experience sometimes when you have to bring someone else in for sure. But, um, you mentioned Chris Johnson before, and he's also a huge mentor to myself as well. And one thing that he always says is you really have to trust your provider and you have to have that level of trust with them. And I think that's so important too, to have those people that you do really, really trust um, with your coach and, you know, family members and medical providers and all of those things. That's such an important um, thing to have. And you obviously, especially you and Jack, you guys have that level of mutual trust in each other where he can trust that you're telling him things, you know, very accurately and very precisely. And you can trust that he's going to give you the right advice and kind of that right mindset or the right strategy going forward overall. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, do you do your own coaching? Um, Yes, I do a little bit, um, especially kind of in the triathlon world. Um, My goal right now is um, more like Ironman training, Um, But eventually I want to kind of do an alternate year type of thing where one year's Ironman, one year's marathon. Um, And so I'm hoping to reel in a little bit more of some guidance, especially going for specifically that marathon is a lot of my experience has been with coaching others and coaching myself in the triathlon world. So how do you like when you're coaching yourself, how do you decide in the middle of a workout that you wrote? 
like this this sucks because it's hard and it's supposed to be kind of hard or this sucks because i wrote you know 10 reps instead of eight would have been better Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's a great question. I use a lot of, uh, based off of my effort and kind of how I feel overall. Um, I've worked a lot on my effort and like rating a perceived exertion. And when that gets off a little bit, then I know that there's probably something going on, especially like the summer. Um, when I had that, um, infection, I could just tell like my effort level was not matching the output. And that yeah. is something that I've kind of trusted in myself and kind of grown in myself a lot of knowing what that effort feels like. And when things get off between that effort and the actual outcome, then it's like, okay, let's take a look at what's going on here and let's kind of zone things back if we need to a little bit. Yeah. So did you pick it up in the, in the data with your wattage and your heart rate first, or did you yeah. pick it up on the RPE first? Um, both of them actually, um, really. Yeah. Um, so I picked it up in the RPE of like, and uh, there was probably like two training rides where I just felt absolutely horrible. And I was like, I feel like I'm working super, super hard right now. And I'm at a very easy, um, pace that should be below mm -hmm. my like LT one. And oh, yeah. then I looked at like my power data from my, um, bike workout. Cause I was on a trainer. Um, so I wasn't outside. So it was a little bit more controlled as well as my heart rate. And I kind of compared um, very similar workout one week. And then I looked like four weeks prior and there was literally like four weeks prior, I was sitting at like 135 beats per minute on the heart rate and a very like steady effort, easy effort. And then I was at 165 four weeks later at that same exact effort. Um, so I could feel something was going on. So then I looked kind of a little bit more at the data and I was like, yeah, there's something wrong here. Yeah, that's uh, it's nice when your body makes it really obvious for you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. yes, 100%. And it's also um, in my podcast with Jack, we talked about how you just have to build that system up a little bit in your like rating of perceived exertion to like you need practice with that effort to really know how that feels for you and how that applies to you. And the only way to improve that is just practice makes perfect overall with it and just have experience using that scale and knowing what it means to you um, is really, really important overall for sure. Based off, John, your experience with this year, really performing at a high level, knowing when to push, knowing when to pull back. Do you have any particular insight into how other runners and athletes can develop that similar mindset or develop some of those similar strategies overall? I think when things have been going well, it's like I mentioned before, it, it can feel just like really intoxicating and uh, it's, it's really easy to feel, you know, like you can, you can do anything. You're the fittest guy in the world. Uh, and it's uh, maybe not, you don't necessarily get carried away. Um, but then the, the flip side of that, when things aren't going well, it can feel like you, you go from, you know, letting it happen and being in flow to, uh, trying to force it to happen and, and struggling. And, and that's, um, that's when I think you, you have to take that step back and talk to those trusted sources and, um, uh, 
trying to never get too high and never get too low, making sure that, uh, you, you check yourself a little bit, you know, when it's, when you feel good, when you're healthy, um, look back, what, what's your training log say, um, don't go and, you know, run a good workout and think, okay, I'm going to do that again tomorrow or 70 miles this week felt good. Let's do 90. Um, you know, take the win, put it in the bank, um, and, you know, stick to the plan. If you don't have a plan, talk to someone, get a plan. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and sort of, uh, and it's like the, the least, exciting answer in the world uh just like being moderate and uh trying to stack wins and and hit doubles and um you know taking the the long-term gains over the like get fit now um because man if you if you really want to get launched from a rocket you're gonna run hard workouts and run a ton of miles and uh you got to come down from the rocket at some point whereas if you're you know steady hiking up a hill you you get pretty high after a long period of time and it's an easier glide path down then um versus crashing so Mm -hmm. I, i yeah i think work really hard when it's time to work hard and pretty much chill the rest of the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's a good, um, good lesson to learn. And like you said, you know, your theme has been really about consistency and just trying to be as consistent as possible. And I think a lot of people can learn from that in that, you know, we're always looking for like the quick route and the quick way to get better and improve. But a lot of times what it comes back to is, you know, the basics and it's just being consistent day in, day out, putting the work in, realizing when you can push more, realizing when you got to take away. But that consistency is so key in the training and in a lot of things of of daily life. Um, And, you know, that comes back to, you know, the topic of mastery and being able to output as much as you can into things and be the best that you can possibly be. But we also just have to be consistent with our strategies, with our goals, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, like you say, that's that's true for sport. Uh, I'm sure as a, a new business owner, uh, you're finding that there's a lot of, uh, you know, you probably notice fits and starts and more active times and less active times in the business, but your effort has to continue and and stay steady. And, uh, I'm sure that that's a lesson that carries through many different aspects in life. 100%. Yeah. Without a doubt. Overall, since this is the mastering miles podcast, I can't let you go without this important question overall. Um, what is your definition of mastery? I think you, you know, when someone's really mastered something because they're they're able to execute at a high level uh, in spite of adverse circumstances and, you know, kind of navigate unexpected events. Uh, um, and I, I can't help but think about, you know, watching Molly Seidel, uh 
go by me at mile 20. It's like, yeah, she had something figured out that I, I didn't today. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and just having that cooler head that ultimately is able to prevail. Um, I think that that's, that's the mark of someone who has mastered their circumstances, um, is getting through the hard stuff, um, with, with some kind of style and grace and, and, uh, maybe breaking some rules along the way because you know, the rules so well. Well said. I like that definition. Awesome. John, anything else to, um, add or anything of that nature, John? No, I just want to say thanks again. And, um, it's been fun chatting with you. I hope that you've got a healthy winter of training ahead of you and look forward to seeing what you're going to do in Madison. I appreciate that. And I am thoroughly, um, excited to watch and follow you at the California international marathon of trying to achieve that OTQ goal. And I think a lot of listeners are going to be a fan of kind of tuning in and kind of seeing how you do, um, and kind of following along with that journey. So good luck. Um, we are all excited to kind of follow you and we're all, um, behind you cheering for you the whole way through. Thanks, so, man. yeah. Do you have, um, anything that you would like to share in terms of like, if anyone wants to follow you, whether it's social media, um, anything of that nature at all where they can find yeah, you? Yeah, sure. Um, my, uh, my Instagram handle is, uh, is kind of a mess. Um, so maybe <laughs> I can give that to you for something in the show yeah. notes. Yes. Uh, we can, we can link that for, in. Yeah. If you search for John Liddell on Instagram, I'm there. Um, I post stories looking for a workout buddy or, um, you know, different meetups to get some miles in. Um, and once in a while post something that, uh, you know, hopefully is somewhat interesting for people who like talking about running. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, a huge, huge thank you to you, John, for being on the podcast and taking time out of your busy training, family, professional schedule to do this. I really, really uh, appreciate it. And um, yeah, uh, for real, I really appreciate that. Absolutely, man. Cool. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, of course. Well, with that, um, hope everyone enjoyed this conversation. And until next time, happy and healthy training. <laughs> <laughs>